0: You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. Welcome, everybody, to Season 2, Episode 1 of Cards and Cubes. I'm Trevor. I'm Christo. And we're your hosts. It's been a while, Christo it's we were just talking it's kind of funny that uh the last episode that we published was actually called burnout because we ended up taking like a was a four month break (laughs) afterwards yep
1: yeah kind of funny but it turned out to be true so yeah we're back after four months i think you were kind of working i was working the holidays were happening so we just kind of decided to take a little break
0: yeah, life got life got pretty crazy there for a minute. Seems for both of us on the work and other fronts, and so we just decided to pass the craziness of recording podcasts during the holidays. And now we are back at it with our top five games of 2021, as well as the top five disappointments of 2021.
1: The worst five games, I guess, <laughs> the, of 2021. The worst
0: five games, yeah. How we're, uh, actually, yeah, let's talk a little bit about how we selected our lists, um, starting with the disappointments or the worst games. How would you go about doing that?
1: Uh, actually I was a little bit concerned that, uh, we, we were talking about, like, should we include games because, uh, well, from outside of 2021, because of the shipping delays and like the pandemic and all that stuff, because a bunch of games of from 2020 kind of bled over into 2021 and a bunch of games, which were supposedly released this year, we still haven't played, or they just arrived like the last few weeks. Uh, my, the fine thing is actually some games from 2020 were bleeding over into my, uh, thoughts as I was going through it, but I actually pieced together a pretty good list from 2021, like officially whatever it says on BGG, um, but yeah, there's there's been some craziness with like slipping delivery or release dates because of the shipping situation. But yeah, my games are from 2021 official. I do have a couple actually from outside because they were significant and I played them for the first time this year. And I think pretty sure they arrived in the US this year as well. So I'll mention them, but my list is actually legit. Unlike yours, probably, (laughs) I'm guessing. Trevor was having some problems just before uh, uh, the show started.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my list is now legit um but <laughs> <laughs> but there was uh I I came on just to verify a couple minutes ago and and uh discovered that one of my games I had listed was actually a 2022 game uh, due to, in part, I'm sure, all the delays that Arista was just talking about, and then another game was actually a 2020 game, which we may both end up talking about yep. because I'm guessing it, it's it was the same one. Or <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: I'm surprised you don't have the other one, but we'll see. I guess.
0: Yeah, and it could be that maybe I'm just not thinking of the one you're thinking of, but yeah, there's one in particular that just was not available. Um, yep in the u.s at least until 2020 so or 2021 so i did not think of it as a 2020 game uh but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see if i forgot about the one that you mentioned it and i'll maybe just like tag on and throw it in my honorable benches uh but yeah so it um, I don't know if you had this, but as I was going through the, so I log my plays on an app called BG Stats, and 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 so when I'm searching on BGG to make this list, I just kind of did a search that um, to capture all the games for which I logged plays, and and the games were released in 2021, and I was surprised at how few of them there were. Uh, yep. Just given you know the the quantity of of games that we play over the year um just pulling up my app right now last year I logged uh let's see nearly 600 plays um of it, like 250 different games
1: by last year I mean you meant you're probably meaning 2020 right correct
0: yeah cuz we're recording this in 2022 so for 2021 out of like the 250 games I played roughly 30 to 35 of them were actually released according to BGG in 2021. So I thought that was just kind of surprising to me.
1: Yep, uh, my impression from just going through the list in 2021 at BGG, like I went through the first 100 games uh, by popularity, just to kind of refresh my memory. Uh, I was surprised how many like big games there were this year. For some reason, it just seems like, and even my list is kind of like a little bit lighter-ish games, like there haven't been like uh, Euro Behemoths or whatever released I think in 2021 so much. That's at least my impression. I don't know. Um, I, I haven't played some of the games which I have expectations for, but just in general, I was just kind of looking through the list and I was like, "Wow, these these are kind of a little bit on the lighter side from the usual games that we picked throughout the years."
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I would, I would kind of say too that 2021 seems like a year where there were plenty of good games but nothing that was like a industry like hit right so there i don't know if there was a single game that was you mean like a like like
1: super popular yeah like
0: something that just took everybody by storm there's a lot of games that people like a lot but i just don't recall throughout the year having seen one that just kind of stuck with everyone
1: you know yeah maybe yeah it's true yeah you mean like a wingspan or like an azul or something just a game that you can't escape like you just go everywhere and people are playing it and you're like ah exactly
0: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) you can't escape it (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so at least that was my impression of the year um so but yeah uh so the i think our that actually might be pretty good for our episode because I think we may not have very much overlap. I'm going to predict we have exactly zero crossovers.
1: Holy crap. That's pretty crazy actually.
0: No, maybe one, maybe one. Uh,
1: With the cheat from 2020, I think that's at least one overlap, but actually, yeah. um,
0: Yeah, maybe maybe two counting that. Well, if, if we count our honorable mentions, that adds a couple more. So maybe maximum of like three.
1: I think in in our legit game, we're actually going to have one overlap, which might be kind of a surprise to you. But like I say, the list is weird this (laughs) year.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. So the, I'm I'm assuming that uh, you know the the top five of the year is picked standard. You know that was kind of like your favorite favorite games of the year, or you know the the ones that kind of were most intriguing to you. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I just kind of went through the list of games, and I was just thinking throughout the year. I played a lot of games, obviously, but. Uh, a few just kind of were actually what I expected, so there wasn't a surprise good or bad. Uh, they're not bad games if they're not on the list or anything. It's just kind of like, yeah, that's kind of what I expected. These are more like kind of maybe unexpected games or just uh, games when I, w- which when I played them, I was just positively impressed for some reason or kind of some some of them are like i didn't expect it to be actually good <laughs> you know, <laughs> so maybe or, or, you know like, like a, by my expectations relative to reality or maybe some is a little yeah. bit a part of it a little bit maybe yeah
0: well that can affect how much you like a game is it how much it surprised you Uh, when you played it so that's that's legit
1: no it's i've been thinking about it actually i guess the key to enjoying everything is going in with really low expectations in general so that there there's definitely some of that going on yes but um i still think they're actually like pretty good games like the most maybe significant for me for the year
0: yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, we put these lists together in a very similar way. Um, with respect to the, the second list we'll be going through today. Um, I kind of thought about the, it in terms of, um, you know, disappointments. So sp- <laughs> speaking of expectations, I was going in expecting to enjoy it to a certain degree. And then, uh, from five, four, three, two, one—that is increasing levels of displeasure <laughs> with, with the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, again, uh, same same comment. I think I—I I don't know if these games that I put like are objectively the worst games or something, but for me, they were just kind of like I expected the game to be more than what it is in a lot of ways, or just kind of after playing it, I was like, wow, this actually yeah. wasn't as good as. Well, maybe promise, maybe expected again, having to do with expectations, but I think that's kind of how it goes. So, yeah.
0: yeah, I, I might also rename my, uh, my other list as top five popular games that sucked.
1: <laughs> yep. No, mine are actually pretty high on like lists in general, like on BG, they have like the geek rating or whatever. Yeah, so they're pretty, actually, here. they're pretty high on there, but for me, they just kind of didn't work so much. Yep. I actually get. I'm guessing we're gonna have pretty significant overlaps there, so we (laughs) We, might as well have the same lists. Um, (laughs) I know one of them at least is not an overlap, but I think like the other ones might be like all overlaps, so it should be interesting.
0: Yeah, it'll. uh, Yeah, if 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 you have the same one and someone mentions it earlier, just say beep boop. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with our top five of the year.
1: In fifth place, um, I actually have kind of, again, the, this is a pretty light list, a lighter game, which kind of surprised me. I wasn't expecting to see, I don't know, you, you don't really expect to see any game really, uh, but kind of unusual mechanics actually, it's Codex Naturalis. Um, I, played it on board game arena first and it just looked interesting. I was like wow I wonder if this is actually any good. It's kind of an abstract game thematically I think you're gathering like plants or something and you're maybe brewing potions or something. It's not even actually explained like the rule book usually has some kind of a thematic intro or whatever but this one is just like yeah this is the game Um, or you're codifying plants I think that's why it's called Codex Naturalis so you're just abstractly arranging cards in a tableau, and you are trying to get like these plants so that you can like fulfill these recipes. Uh, There's a little bit of symbols collection, there's goals, public and private goals for symbols on the board. I think the coolest thing in the game is, um, I've played plenty of drafting games and they're fine, but the coolest thing in this one is I think the spatial aspect of the game because the way you kind of do the set collection is, uh, yes, you draft cards, but you play them by overlapping cards' corners. So you, first of all, create a really cool kind of like spatial board of the plants, I guess you've observed or collected or recorded or whatever, but you're also kind of, there's some interesting decisions of like covering up specific corners because there's goals for orientations of cards or just arranging them in specific ways. And there's also goals for collecting the symbols on the cards, and sometimes you might need to cover a symbol to collect, to arrange cards in particular shape. So I think overall just kind of a really pleasant surprise. The game is actually really lightweight. It's, I mean, once you've uh, gotten used to it, I think you can realistically play a game in like 15, 20 minutes uh, with two players. Uh, More players, probably more downtime, but it's a pretty snappy game. It's not a very involved game, it's very fast. Um, I've played it a bunch of times and I was pleasantly surprised. by just kind of like a small card game it's just two decks of cards that's it but pretty cool so that's my number five codex naturalis probably no overlap uh, here i'm guessing no
0: no overlap but not because i didn't like it i did not get a chance to play it yet so i need to play this you haven't
1: even played it a single time yet that's crazy. Because I even played it in real life, like not just on Board Game Arena and uh, like multiple times. So I'm surprised you were able to avoid it. But yeah, someday it will happen.
0: Yeah, I, I do need to play this because I remember when you mentioned this several episodes ago, it was one that I'd put on my list of games I wanted to check out. So I still want to check this out.
1: Looks Yeah, looks not good. That- Not a particularly like super high skill game. I think it's fun, but it's designed to be just kind of a smaller game, still very thinky though. Uh, Curious thing about the game is actually I'm a little sad because it used to come in a tin, uh, like not a paper box, but like a tin box. And I think they had problems with maybe shipping or maybe the tins being dented or something. So now they have an addition with paper boxes. And I actually kind of liked the tin edition, so I'm wondering if it's still possible to get, because I haven't actually got my own copy, played someone else's copy physically. But we'll see, I guess. Maybe I'll just have to uh, have a paper box and be sad. So I'm yeah.
0: sure that uh, for the right price, you can find a tin box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: for the right price, you can find anything. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. what I mean is like retail in a store Right. Yeah,
0: cool. Yeah, no, I, I do want to try that one. Um, my number five is a game called Embarcadero. This was uh, published by Renegade Games, Adam Buckingham and Ed Marriott Designers. Um, this is sort of a historic game where you're building out the Embarcadero district in San Francisco with kind of an area majority slash influence hand management, uh, resource management a little bit of tile placement mechanism so basically what you're doing is uh bringing ships into the harbor in San Francisco kind of sinking them there uh and then building businesses on top and then there's actually kind of a 3D element to the game where you're actually building your buildings upwards and you get certain bonuses by building next to other players or blocking them and then you can build larger buildings and which gets you more points and more resources. And so it just kind of has that kind of element to it. And there's some kind of track along the shore where you get benefits for being towards the top. And, um, I just thought that it was a neat system. Uh, my one concern that I had, uh, or I still have is whether the there's a variant where you can play with some asymmetrical player powers. And I don't know that they've all been created equally, but I just need to play the game more. Uh, But that being said, I enjoy the system of uh, how the game comes together, how you're like, trying to fight for majorities all along these various wharfs uh, along the shore and and the theme is is pretty unique and, and cool in my opinion so i i liked it i know you maybe weren't as much of a fan of this one
1: uh i think the system actually is interesting like you say and it has some good ideas i just like don't know if it works for me or if it works in general did you ever play it uh, after we played it for with other people
0: yeah, I've played it a few times and I I think the system works. I've played it with and without this player powers and I don't know which one I prefer. Yet. Yeah, I just need I to play s- it more.
1: I was gonna say the biggest problem I had with it probably was the player powers, which was really, um, I think they're like really bad well and really good they're, I don't know the balancing of player powers is just kind of off the charts in my opinion like not really yeah. well thought out uh, also we didn't really play it correctly which kind of uh, made some character like we didn't have enough tiles I think to start with which like slowed down everyone except the uh, Someone who could actually put more tiles, I think, or whatever. Yeah, buildings and that, or there something. was
0: a misunderstanding as to what was actually a building, too, because everybody kind of intuitively thought it was the 3D plastic pieces versus the, you know, the flat cardboard uh, pieces. Uh,
1: also, I don't know if you remember our play in particular, but we started wrong. So we put like one building on the ship and it was supposed to be all full, I think, yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which was pretty significant. Uh, it is kind of a game where basically there is no kind of catch up or safety net. So basically if you start wrong, I think you're just kind of gone that's my impression from it at least that's but pretty like true the <clears throat> the system is interesting though there's a lot of kind of like uh planning you're picking cards with your multi-use card so you're basically as you're playing your round you're picking your next round like your actual actions that you're gonna do so that's um, interesting also there's a lot of kind of negative player interactions there's a bunch of majorities where you're fighting for majorities all the time along these piers. So I don't know. I wasn't super huge on that, but I think it's an interesting game. Yeah. Um, I would try it again someday with like the right start and everything. And we'll see. <laughs> yeah, That's you should, you should try
0: it. <laughs> it without the player powers too. Cause I think that I, don't know, I, I, I kind of like this game maybe more without the player powers, but I, I kind of waffle on it, but mm. because I, I like. I like the the playing field so to speak to kind of be even at the start of the game and and just because of like you said there's there's potential for negative player interactions and depending on the player power it doesn't feel good when the negative action could be compounded by a a power you don't have so I don't know I I don't know whether I like player powers more or less but I just need to play that part of the more. But I, I think that the core system of the game is fun, and the um, you know the negative player interactions. Um, I, it's it's kind of just a majority's game, so you just kind of have to invest in the right wharfs and then hope that you <laughs> didn't invest in the wrong wharf because, like you said, that can kind of sink your game.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say also maybe a little bit of a runaway leader concern as well, because there's a track and I think when you win, you win more basically. And it's kind of hard to catch up on that track from what I remember. I can't remember details though, but I only played it one time. So that
0: was a, I think that was a strange thing to that one game we played. Um, where (laughs) I just got far, really far ahead on that track and so then it just it never changed, but I think that that was part because just, you know, learning game and people weren't playing optimally and, and all that.
1: Yep. Uh, anyway, maybe I'll try it again sometime.
0: Yeah. So that's uh, Embarcadero, my number five.
1: Number four is actually probably the surprise that might be an overlap with you but I usually don't like those kind of games. So maybe that's why this game is on my list, but Bloodborne, the board game. Um, I actually think I really like this game. I think it's really cool. I think it's designed by Eric Lang, right?
0: Yeah, Eric was Lang it? and uh, another, he has a co-designer. Code Let me look that up.
1: Yeah, but anyway, uh, it's kind of, uh, I've, I haven't actually even played the, Video game. I've seen some videos from it, and I get what kind of it is. Um, I think I really like it, like the art style of it and the idea of it. Like I say, I haven't played it, but I expect to enjoy it. I think it's like a PlayStation exclusive, uh, the Bloodborne, the the video game. I mean, uh, but the board game is kind of like. Uh, a, a, want to say it's like a dungeon crawl type game basically you're just kind of characters and you're exploring tiles it's a co-op game the funny thing is actually the most hilarious thing is the rules are kind of questionable so i don't think we've ever played it correctly and we played it like <laughs> three times which is really sad uh
0: this is a game where the the rules are more like guidelines
1: <laughs> yeah, b- <laughs> yeah. Uh, and i think we actually played it like really this to uh, this to our disadvantage so i think if we play it again with the right rules it might actually be doable um we played it a bunch of times and i think we only won one time and i can't even remember how that happened because it's just kind of crazy difficult the way we've been playing it and i think uh, we're like taking a lot more damage than we should and anyway kind of details but um, like I say, I usually don't like, I'm not a huge fan of these types of games. Like, um, I don't know, Zombicide or Arcadia Quest, or what's the one that we played, um, with you previously? Massive Darkness. Massive Darkness. Uh, I haven't played Descent or anything like that, but, uh, but I like Gloomhaven, I guess, but usually I'm not like, what I'm saying is I'm not a huge fan and I actually, maybe I can see why I think Bloodborne is better it's because cards, um, unlike a lot of those games where for combat you roll dice, in Bloodborne it's all cards. Uh, I don't think there's even a single die in the game, right? Even for randomization events. Not that I am aware of. Yeah, unless they have it in an expansion or something, but um, it's all cards and I like that actually. Um, The combat system is you pick which card you're gonna play and obviously you're drawing randomly from your deck, so there's randomness there, but. Uh, it feels like you're kind of planning and it's just kind of fun. Uh, you can actually kind of plan what the enemy is going to do by observing like their deck of cards. So I think actually that's maybe the aspect of why um, I've enjoyed this game more than other games of its kind is unlike other games where you just roll a bunch of dice against each other, it's cards. So yeah. multi-use cards, I think it's pretty fun. Uh, I, I'm guessing actually it's overlap with Trevor, right? i've never heard of
0: this game i don't (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) so i'll
1: just let him talk about it more when he gets there so that's bloodborne the board game uh i've never heard of number four yep i'm sure you've (laughs) you it's not even like close to your list at all no
0: no not even close uh my number four is one that i thought we maybe would have overlap on it is furnace Uh, by Ivan Lashin, uh, published by Arcane Wonders. This is the same designer as um, Smartphone Inc., which I guess they just released another one called Mobile Markets, which is kind of a re-implementation of smartphones. But anyway, Furnace is a card game with basically engine building and uh, auctioning slash bidding. The theme kind of really doesn't matter. Uh, but basically I think you're a 19th century capitalists, just like trying to build your factories, produce coal to turn it into metal, to turn it into oil and then get points because that's all that matters. Uh, games played over four rounds and the bidding takes place with, uh, various sizes of discs. Uh, numbered one, two, three, and four for each of the players, and the way the bidding works is that if at the end of the bidding round you have the largest disc on a card, uh the card market varies based on player count then if you have the largest disc, you win that card and add it to your uh your tableau in front of you. And if you don't win that card, meaning you bid a smaller disc on that card, you get a benefit from that card and the benefit is multiplied by the number of your discs. So if the benefit of the card is two coal and you put a two on it and did not win the bid, you'd get four coal to then use and to run your engine. Um, it's a pretty snappy game. I really like how the bidding works. Actually, I, I like the disc th- concept and and i like the fact that you can be compensated um if you lost a bid it makes the game more fun as well as um more interesting because sometimes you're trying to get benefits and you do not want to win the card so you kind of have to think through okay what discs do the other players have left and where might they play them so that i can get a a benefit instead of getting a card that i don't want Um, right. And so after four rounds, you just kind of see who accumulated the most points and, and they win. And I just, I, I have enjoyed this game every time I've played it. Um, it, it's a, it's a great game. I, I think you liked it as well. Didn't you? You played it once.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, um, not really an overlap, unfortunately, but I did have it in honorable mentions because this for me was a pleasant surprise this year as well. I didn't really like smartphone ink that much, Uh, a little bit, that was a little bit of a disappointment for me. I was just kind of expecting to be, to be maybe more or just kind of, it was kind of whatever. So by the same designer, another just game, I wasn't really i don't know I, I wasn't really expecting much but i was kind of pleasantly surprised yeah it feels a little bit like a 51st state to me but faster uh you're doing the same kind of thinking just kind of bidding for resources to do conversions to convert to points ultimately uh yeah it just kind of uh, i was pleasantly surprised uh, and just in general there was another game which i played recently called aquatica from a different russian designer but uh pre- like previously russian designers kind of lean more into the take that i was kind of joking about um, he didn't even have a single ability or anything in the game that makes people like lose stuff but yeah for, for i don't know it's just maybe it's like a bad thing to say but they've kind of historically in my observation leaned into kind of take that mechanics. So this game was just kind of a pleasant surprise because it's interactive, but the interaction is like Trevor says with discs and the discs are very kind of an interesting auctioning mechanic because maybe you actually want to not get the cards and you're there's, there's a lot of interesting decisions there is what I'm trying to say. Uh, the only downside of this game is you better play it with people who understand the rules and the people who you can trust because it's a really fast game and you get a lot of game in because a lot of the play is simultaneous. You get whatever, the auctions are, and then you run your entire engine of like 10 cards or something in front of you. And you better be doing it right (laughs) because everyone's (laughs) doing that at the same time. And there's like no way to check if someone made a mistake or something. So you're just trusting that people are just like doing these 10 conversions in order correctly. And there's a bunch of rules of like, you can't do this, you can't do that. You have to flip this, whatever. So, I mean, I think the rule
0: might mention like the you could do it in turn order, but that would significantly add to the playtime. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that's actually part of the game's appeal. Is like you get a lot of game in for a short amount of time because everyone's doing what other games makes make you do one turn at a time. In this game, you're kind of doing it at the same time. So in four rounds, you just get a lot of just I don't know, just kind of conversion game <laughs> going. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh. Kind of a pleasant surprise, uh, but I just put it in my honorable mentions. So, yeah, well, that's Furnace.
0: Sad face, no crossover.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, my number three is The Crew of Mission Deep Sea. I've only played this three times now, and I think we struggled to get up to mission 10, but. I was pleasantly surprised by this game as well. I played the first one a lot, like a lot on board game arena. Uh, It was kind of a pandemic thing and I've just played it kind of to death a little bit. And uh, while I like it a lot, it is kind of very samey because the missions are just like remixes of basically the same thing over and over with different restrictions i wasn't sure what they're gonna do to actually improve the game and i was a little bit skeptical of like a sequel just because i thought they were cashing in on like spiel des Jahres or whatever of the crew but uh what they did was they introduced asymmetric goal so um, i don't know if um even know what the game is but it's a trick-taking game so you're trying to cooperatively, but without talking. So it's one of those games where you can't really communicate, It's a limited communication game, you're trying to get goals. And the first game was very simple. You're just trying to get uh, particular cards. So like the three green or something. So very kind of repetitive uh, after a while even though like i say i played it quite a bit and this game they made really interesting goals like uh you have to win nine yellow cards or you can't win pink cards or something or you have to just like very creative goals written out on the cards and um, i think that's makes the game really interesting and the combination of just what these goals kind of imply for the game uh makes it so that the like meta or whatever around the first game is completely just blown apart because you can't really the first game i think it was possible to just kind of create like a system of playing the game and just kind of play over and over with the same you know like meta around the game uh i think the new game is way better as far as that because Every mission's like super different because of these uh, just unique goals that people might get. So kind of a surprisingly huge improvement for that game as well. And I was talking to Trevor that maybe make it makes the first game obsolete. I'm not sure if I would want to go back to playing the first game or not. Um, now that the second one exists, I think like given the choice, I might just choose the second one. Uh, Yeah, that
0: seems to be kind of the consensus um, of people I've heard reviewing uh, Mission Deep Sea is that you don't really need to go back to the first one (laughs) now that you have this. So I actually, this is not on my list because I have not yet played it. Um, I just barely got, I pre-ordered a copy and it just barely arrived and haven't had a chance to play it yet. So I'm sure this one may have made my list had I played it, but... Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's just in every way an improvement on
1: what the first one did. Yep, yeah, I still like the first one for what it is, but just the way that, you know, like you can't have like a system of solving the game. Basically, every mission is very unique. Uh, I think that's really, really cool.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. And it it, um, kind of the issue I have with games that, kind of becomes somewhat solved is that if you play them with people who play them a lot they just get mad at you if you don't do the right thing (laughs) you know and so it's
1: yeah maybe not as fun it's very interesting actually because like the first game it was kind of obvious who was kind of playing wrong or you know what i mean uh and this one is still kind of you have to be kind of you have to understand how to play like trick-taking games i think that's a good idea to if, if you're doing a difficult mission, obviously. Uh, but it's more like way more abstract on on how to approach the mission. It's very interesting. So I like yeah. it. Anyway, crew mission cool. deep sea.
0: Alright, my number three may surprise you. It's Venice by <laughs> uh, David Turtsy and Andre Novak uh, published by Brain Crack Games. Uh, I thought long and hard <laughs> about between this game and another game that did not make my list but is in honorable mentions and <laughs> I I just like this game it it's uh, so the setting is you're in Venice basically uh, m- merchants sailing your gondolas around uh, selling goods to like fulfill contracts and like basically just recipe fulfillment to get points and and uh you're putting your uh your worker guys in these various buildings around the um around the canals and every time you stop at a building your guy can upgrade so like the the actions become better so like the game sort of has this like (laughs) nuclear reactor (laughs) <laughs> type uh yep. element to it where like it just it will just spiral off the wheels and just get absolutely ridiculous if the game goes too long which is just a hilarious concept to me so but i mean it's basically pick up and deliver you're sailing around picking up cubes and dropping cubes off at other places to get points and 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 stuff and there's it's i have this hilarious visual in my head with this game where you're, you're like these um renaissance area era uh you know italian merchants sailing around with boxing gloves on (laughs) because as you pass each other you have kind of like the option to just like punch each other and do do funny things because basically if if you're passing each other you get i think it's called intrigue which then can get you attention from the inquisition so if you are too awesome and do too many cool things supposedly you uh get arrested and kicked out of the game which is actually at a mechanic at the end of the game if you have the most in, uh if you have the most uh intrigue or whatever it is then you actually are arrested and kicked out of scoring and you <laughs> you can't win you the just game lose, yeah yeah yep. you just lose so not player elimination during the game but player elimination during scoring um yeah i don't know it's it's a weird game there's a component issue with the board being too small with the size of the boats and and all that but i hear that they're going to print a larger board um but the the system is just cool to me i like it. it it's fun to play it's there's in my experience of playing it, there's always an interesting decision to make it's just a matter of whether you can afford it. And then it does have the, uh, an element of if you kind of just let someone alone to do their will, they're going to set up some BS cheese that allows them to loop around and do crazy stuff, um, and just kind of run away with it. So to a degree, there's, there's a need for players to understand what's happening for the game to kind of work as it should. Um, and then there's the aspect of like the game just kind of goes off the rails if you let it go too long. So you kind of need to work to make the game finish. Um, but I, I enjoy this game. I think it's cool. I'd, I'd like to play it uh, more, which is a little bit of a challenge because I think it's it's unique in a way that maybe not everybody appreciates it.
1: Yeah, when I was scrolling through the list, I had the image of like a clown face or something when I saw that game. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, (laughs) it's just like you say, just ridiculous. Like, uh, by, was playing it and i was winning actually which was extra hilarious but i was just like what the heck is this cuz yeah the actions just i can't remember how how the details of it but the actions just escalate to like ridiculous levels of to where the beginning the beginning of the game you're getting like one resource or two resources and the other game you're just doing these like huge turns with piles of resources and ridiculous i think it also has multiplication scoring which is also hilarious so there's a bunch of just like what the heck is happening uh stuff in the game
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) which is just uh, i think that that gives the game a weird kind of charm it it yeah yeah it's a good system but it has like it has like (laughs) it has this weird like clown car feeling where you're like what is happening because the game never slows down it just it just accelerates and accelerates and accelerates
1: yeah it's very unique in that way because like you say there aren't many games that are willing to do that to their players maybe but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. No, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting idea. Yeah, the I, I think the idea of the game sounded really good, but when we started playing it and s- started seeing like the implications of just like how everything multiplies and exponentiates, it's just. It just was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. It actually reminds me a little bit of Council of Four, and I would say Council of Four is even less crazy than this, because it's the same type of game where you start with just a few resources, and then every time you... Get a new thing in your networking council for you get the previous resources as well. So at the end of the game, basically you're getting all of your previous actions with the final one at the same time, and it's the same kind of feel of just like oh i g, I'm just getting these like ridiculous things. But yeah, it's a crazy game. I don't know, it, it might be a little too crazy even for yeah. me, and I like those kind of games. So yeah,
0: I think the comparison to council. I haven't played council for, but if I if I remember correctly reading about it, it's a little more. Rare random though isn't it
1: yeah yeah the input of castle of four is whether you can expand as like the cards that you're holding which is kind of a ticket to ride color system uh the input to venice is just wherever you want to go like player decisions so yeah so like
0: you you have control in this game to to start so to choose where you're putting your nuclear reactor yeah (laughs) Yeah. and then uh the after you set up your nuclear reactors the game is then just an exercise in nuclear meltdown and things just get crazy (laughs) yeah you (laughs) just
1: run whatever you decide over and over and hopefully it was the winning strategy
0: yeah so you know i I acknowledge that the game is weird and and for that reason it it may be kind of off-putting in general but i just think it's cool and it's fun to play
1: yeah, yeah definitely interesting
0: so anyway, that's my number three venice
1: number two i wonder if we're gonna have an overlap here but who knows Team Puck rally fusion um this is technically not a new game but the expansion was released in 2021 i liked the original game quite a bit so not surprised they did a good job with the expansion as well um, speaking of which i don't know if it's so much of an expansion as it is kind of i don't know second edition or something because it's basically the same game but with changes. (laughs) (laughs) changes. Perfect. What, it what <laughs> I mean is I don't know if I don't even think of it as an expansion. I feel like it's just kind of like maybe that's what the game should have been to begin with or something. I don't know. It's, it's fine. Uh, actually funny enough, they have the original version in the box as well. At least if you did the Kickstarter, I don't yeah. know how the I retail think stuff was like
0: a second edition. Yeah. Yeah. Really. A
1: second edition or something. That's what it reminds me of. Um, this, the steampunk rally fusion thing. Um, it's a racing game uh, you're building a contraption It's basically wacky races the game that's literally what it is you're building a weird machine with cards which you draft around the table and then you're running that machine with dice, which are produced either by your machines or taken from cards or whatever. So it's a huge kind of conversion engine and you're converting everything to movement basically and you're trying to move around the board and win the race. That's pre- pretty much the whole game. If there's any kind of small downside to Steam Pack Rally Fusion is I think they increase the take that um, of some things, but uh, the way that take that is done in the game is actually kind of fine with me because usually it's done to the leaders. So in a game like this where someone can have just like a ridiculous literally engine, huh, get it? Because it's like an engine with like machines <laughs> and stuff. But anyway, uh, someone can have like an insane engine. I think it's a good idea to enable people to kind of uh attack them or like take parts away from their machine and actually the way it's done is actually pretty decent some of them uh we played um in the game that we played with Trevor actually there was an extortion card is like you say to a player uh either you kill a part of your machine or I get something not from you but from the game I think oh this is not a
0: good memory
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I think it happened to you actually and so no, yeah, I had the card but go, go ahead you, can, oh, <laughs> you can, but can. anyway yeah uh, so I mean it's not like take that like haha I'm just gonna like uh, destroy this part that I choose I think also if something gets destroyed generally you get to choose what it is so I, I think it's done like in, in a good way is what I'm saying like I yeah. didn't have a problem with it or the events happen to everyone or whatever uh, so so it's it's fine, and I think it works really well. I like the idea of the new dice. Um, there's like these special dice which I think also go up to nine or something. If I remember correctly, they all have weird faces. I think faces. it's nine, yeah. Yeah, so you can just they're harder to produce, but they run higher numbers. Uh, overall, just a lot of fun. If I. Uh, if there's any concern that I also have with the game is uh, because it's a almost like a second edition, I feel like you should play the first game first just to get the mechanics and to get kind of how the game works before playing the expansion because the expansion just has like even more stuff. So it's this game where you have to explain... Quite a lot actually for the Fusion version of the game to kind of get going. The first game was a little bit easier to understand for new people is what I'm saying. But yeah, overall, I was just pleasantly surprised. I think it's really cool. I like Roxley in general, Um, generally what they produce. I don't think they've really released a game that I don't like. So yeah, Steam Rally Fusion. What were you gonna say about (laughs) the horrible experiences with extortion cards?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so actually, uh, just to clear the air, fantastic game, Um, great pick. And I had an unfortunate experience with that card that was supposed to be amazing, uh, but I tried to extort... Oh, A person
1: just, d- d- who d- would
0: not be extorted. I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. That> was <laughs> and, gonna say
1: people just refused and destroyed their yeah. own stuff.
0: <laughs> well, so I, I start. <laughs> the unfortunate thing was, I think everybody else at the table would have like preferred to just let me do something rather than than them explode their own thing, but. The first person I picked <laughs> to, I said, "Yeah, I'll just start with him." And I started with him, and he's like, "I'm not going to do that. I'll explode my thing." So my cool card that I'd been, you know, planning to do all sorts of cool things with was just like thrown in the trash because he and wouldn't then hoping to yeah. get
1: something out of it. <laughs> exactly. To, to yeah. Cause it's, yeah.
0: It was like a push your luck situation of you can keep going as long as until someone like refuses. And I just so happened to start with this one player. And so the cool round of extortion, extortion ended very quickly. <laughs>
1: so. Yeah. Also another thing about the game is, uh, it's the art is really good and also it makes it really fun to kind of even the parts of the machine that you have are thematic, like the way that they work and, uh, I think uh, Rado had the comment for some game that I can't remember actually Hadar I think that the cards need like names or something so that they have more thematic meaning I think just a simple text of putting uh, on a card that it's like a flywheel or something you know uh, when you think about it it kind of makes sense I really like uh, when they do that in games when the conversion games have cards which actually have some kind of meaning and they actually make sense thematically if you think about it like a blast furnace or something basically produces red dice or something you know what i mean like it just like makes sense if you think about it and i think that's really cool and i like the art as well it's really good
0: yeah that's a it's a good game uh this did not make my list but it is in my honorable mentions um really really fun All right, my number two. That's the one we're doing. Number 2 is Bloodborne, the board game. The game I've never heard <laughs> hmm. of. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, you just
0: price. Yeah, you just described it so well that I decided to throw away my number 2 and put this one on the list. <laughs> um everything uh, Risto the, said before. No, the joke yeah. is
1: Trevor's a huge Bloodborne fan. I think <laughs> yeah. like he he grew up uh half in Bloodborne world and like <laughs> yeah. he, he was in urinum uh, yeah. what what's the joke from the uh, from batman oh yeah uh you merely adopted bloodborne trevor was born in it
0: yes <laughs> um yeah i'm a huge fan of the video game which is why i went all in on the kickstarter without knowing anything about the gameplay and was just like for the year and a half i was waiting for the game to show up just crossing my fingers hoping that it would be at least kind of fun um the game shows up and it's just, it's a good system. Uh, I think of, like Harissa said, of, of these types of games, um, other than uh, Gloomhaven, which is kind of my favorite of, of the genre, uh, this one is just fun to play. S- side and
1: note, which ironically uses cards as well. So yeah. cards are the win.
0: <laughs> exactly. And we actually play Gloomhaven with the less random variant where the card that can make you miss or double your hit are actually just minus twos and plus twos so we we play with even more control in our in our dungeon crawls um but yeah everything Risto said earlier about this game just echo that the theme is awesome the artwork is awesome Uh, the card play system is fun it's kind of a deck building slash hand management system and the game is punishing just like the video game so um i know people may not like co-op games that are just punishingly hard but if you've played the video games before you kind of actually appreciate the ways that the game is hard because the designers did work pretty hard to simulate things that happen in the game, uh, in the video game, in the board game. So, you know, that, um, Haristo mentioned, for example, the behavior deck for the monsters, the video game is really kind of about learning the rhythms and, um, you know habits of the different uh types of enemies in the game so you can kind of learn how they work so then you adapt your fight style to how they operate and so the ability to kind of predict what kind of attacks might be coming your way is a huge part of how you play the video game so it, it was cool to see that in the in the board game someday we will play this without any mistakes, maybe, <laughs> but, uh, the, I think that the rule book doesn't do us favors on that front, unfortunately, but I'm willing to put up with it because I am just a sucker for the theme and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a great game and I have more content than we'll ever be able to play for it. <laughs> so we'll, uh, this, I'm sure this will just kind of be popping up in game nights from that, from time to time. And eventually we'll play hopefully all the stuff I have.
1: Yeah, there's a weird thing with this game where the base game is in a box and then there's like 15 expansions, and they're the exact same size as the base game. So if you stack them together, they're literally like six feet or something, I think. I don't know, maybe six is too much, like four feet. They're, they're, it's pretty high. Yeah, the st- yeah. there's, there's the a lot stack of boxes. The boxes gets, <laughs> gets a little ridiculous if you have all the expansions and all the Kickstarter stuff. But yeah, that's it's pretty cool. Also, I don't think it requires a huge commitment. I think you can play single campaigns and basically Um, It's like three games or even like a single game probably is fine. But I think the full campaign is probably better from like a story experience. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, just kind of like an arcade type. Uh, jump in for three games, jump out. It's fine. There's nothing legacy. Yeah. Don't tear anything up. So it's good yeah. that way.
0: Oh, and by the way, the co-designer is Michael Chenal, and he, he worked on games like Roman Bones, Xeno Shift. Um, he did the Song of Ice and Fire miniatures game as well hmm. um, with uh, Simon. So that, he was, he was int- part uh, part of the design team.
1: Yeah, I was interested in ramen Bones actually, but I haven't played it yet. It's another one of like kind of a conflict game, I think, from what I remember.
0: Anyway, yeah, it's, it's kind got, of like a MOBA, I think, right?
1: Um, hmm, maybe I'm thinking of a different game. I thought it's like two pirate ships attacking each other, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but maybe I'm is. wrong.
0: I think it plays like a MOBA style. Oh, interesting game. Like, That's like, uh, I was looking at that way back
1: in the day from like 2014 or 2015, I think, like a long time ago, maybe even before that. But anyway, yeah, no, Bloodborne's cool. I like Bloodborne. All right, so our number one. This is kind of surprising, actually, because I usually Code don't names. like these kinds of uh, games. Code names, code names didn't come out this <laughs> no. year, did it? <laughs> no. I was gonna say no no edition of Code Names even came out this year. Maybe like some thematic, like Disney or something. But no, it's uh, it's actually a pusher luck game, which for me, usually not a huge hit. Actually, usually huge misses. And it kind of reminds me of Quacks of Quedlinburg, which is even more surprising because I did not like Quacks of Quedlinburg, but, uh, Cubitos, um, or Cubitos or whatever. Uh, I really was kind of pleasantly surprised by that game as well. Um, I. It looked fun, but I had huge concerns because pusher luck games usually kind of like, well, I don't know, I don't know, could be good or could be a complete disaster. And who knows? And usually it kind of tends to be a complete disaster for me. But this one was really fun. It, uh, it feels like kind of a deck building game, but it's really dice building because what you do is it's a simple racing game uh, where you race around the track and you're just trying to make it to the finish first and again it's all about converting things to movement or rolling movement or whatever on dice but the way it works is really cool because you start with a dice pool of your basic kind of like white and gray dice or whatever and you buy dice throughout the game uh like a deck building game so the dice have resources on them and you're buying better and better dice or i don't know if better is even the right word because i think that's what that makes makes the game really cool is uh like i guess dominion or some other game of that kind you can create dice sets and there's presets of different dice sets that you create with different abilities um how does that work there's basically a card which explains what the die does so for each die there's like eight different cards i think um, and there's unique dice colors with unique icons on them. So depending on what cards are out or combinations of cards, uh, the dice do different things when you roll them. So you refer to the cards to see what the icons you rolled mean in that version of the game. So basically that's how it works. And that's how it's kind of like dominion where you create a set of, uh, like effects, basically, or cards or something that you can buy in this case, dice, and you just, uh, deal with that and play the game. Uh, there's some pretty good catch-up mechanics so it feels like uh, people are generally in the game unless you make like a huge fundamental mistake of buying the wrong dice or just going for a strategy which doesn't work out which happens but it's also kind of not super long uh, but overall, just just a lot of fun, a lot of rolling dice and lucky or unlucky situations, uh, even if you fail your rolls or whatever, there's a pretty good compensation for it and you might actually kind of slingshot back into the running. Uh, literally the running (laughs) but uh yeah it's a really kind of surprise for me because usually dice are a warning sign for me and push your luck is a warning sign for me and like dice on top of push your luck but it just feels like really good to play for some reason um it feels like a lot of fun uh for some reason in quacks for example i was just feeling like I don't know the excitement of like pulling chips was not there for me uh for me, it was kind of like, oh well, I pulled the wrong thing, so I just like lose um, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just the the action of rolling dice, I think it's just like the the fun of just rolling over and over, and you do get to roll quite a bit uh in cubitos, and it's just it's just like dice chucking fun, basically is how I would describe the game, and that's my number one kind of surprising for twenty twenty one
0: yeah. It is surprising, but I am not surprised <laughs> at the same time, right? Cause I knew you really liked this game. Uh, it's not on my list. It's in my honorable mentions, but, uh, yeah, I, I, everything you said, I agree with it's, it's a fun push your luck game. And it, and I was thinking about what you said, how it is kind of comparable to, um, dominion in, in how you can kind of preset the game of what's available. Um, I think this is more fun than Dominion, but I was actually thinking: Do you think that uh, that this game will get as much expansion treatment
1: as as Dominion? Though, I think it's extremely easy to make expansions for the game because what do you do? Just print more card decks with dice abilities, and you can completely change the game. Uh, they might even introduce like new dice. So instead of I don't know what it is eight, ten dice, ten different colors of dice, they might even. Have more in the future. There's way. There's a lot of ways where you can expand the game. Like a lot of ways. I don't know if it's gonna get twenty thousand expansions because I think Dominion came out in like a unique time when, uh, I guess people just kept playing it over and over because it was the thing for a long time, and I think that's why it got so many expansions. I think, like, I don't know. I don't see Kubitos being a a hot game and like even two years from now i think unfortunately games get forgotten quite quickly nowadays but i'm i'm sure they will do at least one expansion um because it's just so easy i think and then it might revitalize the game a little bit
0: yeah i'd, I'd like to see expansions for this one because it is a good game i just uh yeah like you said just new cards and new dice you don't even have to do anything more yeah. than that
1: necessarily or even more tracks with like weirder stuff, maybe like jumps or boosts or something, you know, the standard like racing game type stuff. Uh, yeah. That might be interesting as well.
0: I don't know if I've seen many people playing this, but I I hope it gets some more attention and some expansion content.
1: That'd yeah, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised as well, because I feel like it's a really cool game and it kind of flew under the radar because it was kind of around the pandemic as well. So yeah, just really sad if people don't discover this, because I think it's a really good game
0: agreed uh my number one if you thought venice was weird my number one is even weirder and <laughs> i hope i get to play it more uh it's oath from leader games and cole Worley. um so this is partly my number one because i'm just i find myself really wanting to go back and play it a lot um so the the system is just that interesting to me that i i want to keep playing it the hard part is it's it's kind of a weird game and it's kind of a big game so it's hard to get people really into it and it's a game that really really rewards repeat players so knowing kind of how it works and and how it goes uh is is really important um it's I'll give it, I, I'll give it my best shot to kind of give it a really quick description, but basically it's it's a political game, which is par for the course with Cole Worley. If you've ever played a game like Root or Pax Pamir, um, his games are pretty unique and very political. So this is set in a made up fantasy world um, and you're basically, there's one chancellor player who is effectively like the existing uh reigning faction or whatever of this world and then there's um a bunch of exiles uh, that are strewn about the kingdom that then have the ability to during the game kind of try to find ways to win and overthrow the chancellor and then become the the reigning class for the next game because this is a game that kind of the phrase i've heard repeated over and over is that the game remembers itself which is just a fancy way of saying that the the way the game sets up the next time you play it is influenced by how the game ends and who wins and so the the the, deck
1: contents the deck contents are controlled by the players basically
0: yeah exactly and so there's a lot of really neat things in this game um like the discard piles are based on, are based geographically, so like cards you see people discarding, you know where those might end up and, and they're in different discard piles. There's kind of a closed economy system where you're um, spending these influence coins. I forget exactly what they're, they're called, but anyway, where if, if you spend them on certain suits of cards, the coins actually go to like a bank for that suit. And so to get coins out of that suit, you, uh, go to areas where that suit is present. So it's kind of, you know, thematically you're investing in these different kinds of tribes and and types of people. And so there's a lot of really cool stuff under the surface. There are variable wind conditions and, um so the exiles have the ability to like get these vision cards where they can win or the chancellor has like this decree or whatever the oath for the game that can set a win condition and there's like probably i think between three and five ways the game could end um in any play of it so you just kind of are figuring out which way you can get to the win and in some games you may not be able to win and so you're just kind of trying to figure out well how do you want to align yourself do you want to kind of work against the Chancellor so that the Chancellor in the next game has a weaker starting position, or do you want to try to become, you can actually ally with the Chancellor and become a citizen? Um, Anyway, there's a whole lot of stuff happening in this game, but um, it's just a really intriguing system, and the the way it plays out is kind of different every time based on what cards are present on the board, because the... Um, what you can do at each site on the board varies based on how you build it because you're putting card you're choosing to put cards down and you can destroy cards that you know so it's really hard to kind of describe in 30 to 60 seconds but there's a it's just a really cool system and it can i think it can play up to six people that would be a really long game i think but uh, this is just one that I find myself wanting to play more and more, and it's it's challenging to do that because it's kind of a unique game and it's hard to find people who, who want to play it. But it's definitely my number one from, from 2021. I, you've played this a couple times with me and, and maybe are not as into it as I am, um, but what, what were your thoughts on it?
1: Uh, I saw it on the list. And for me, it's just kind of like a game that's I think just not for me, like I can see how this is a game where it could have huge fans and people that want to play it all the time. And uh, just people who like who who would like this kind of game a lot, but it's just kind of just not for me. So I don't know. Um, What I was gonna say is it feels like basically area controls went from like control the map to weird wind conditions for example it reminds me of vinnish actually is what it reminds me of quite a bit uh oath because in inish you don't have to control the map to win the game you can just win the game with like controlling one territory or even without controlling any territory just being in different territory so there's like these weird wind conditions where they started doing wind conditions based on not the board itself, but uh, I mean, not not the board itself, but not based on just like uh, dominating the board or whatever. And I think this is even further where you can win by some alliance condition, which is what you're saying with like a king or whatever, or with resources, like you can win with resources by controlling these like uh, items or whatever, which you control by having a lot of resources. So like there's a lot of ways to win. And the board is just where the game is played, but the board doesn't really matter anymore. It's just all about like what the win conditions are and the interesting thing is uh the game doesn't even have a set win condition because uh the win condition i think one of the four or five or whatever is on a card and the card changes basically every game so like who knows in the future what the win condition will be you know yeah like it kind of changes every game basically so you don't know what's coming or what is happening in the future
0: yeah so there's these oaths that the chancellor basically if the chancellor wins the game then the chancellor gets to pick what the win condition will be for the next game. And so they might pick a win condition that is favorable to how they're going to be set up, you know, which is thematic because once you're in power, you want to stay in power. Um, and then, like I said, these, the exiles can have visions, um, that can take that victory away from the chancellor. So there's always, there's always ways to win that are not the win condition the chancellor picks. Um, and then you know the, the the game has kind of this really funny thing that is, I I don't know that I would like it in any other game, but in this game it just kind of works um, because it adds some some tension. Is that once you get so the game lasts no longer than eight rounds, and um, starting in the fifth round I believe, or maybe it's the sixth round. I think um, it's fifth, yeah, maybe. Yeah, the basically the chancellor rolls a die. And if it's the right number or higher, then the chancellor just wins, and that's supposed to, you know, thematically, that's just saying this kingdom is so is prospering and is so strong that there's no chance an exile could overthrow it, and so th- it that that campaign just ends. Um, and so there's like this kind of tension where if you're not the chancellor, you're trying to figure out ways to stop that from happening. and then yeah it's just cool
1: i was was gonna say basically it's an alliance thing like there's a guy who is currently winning at the start of the game so you have five rounds to kind of do something about that or they will just win with like 33 66 and 80 percent or something like it's just kind of crazy (laughs) basically roll the die to see if you win yeah that's 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 it Yeah, I I was going to (laughs) say there's a lot of stuff like that in the game and like I don't know if Fragile even begins to describe what the game is to me is just kind of Basically oh, WTF! It's so
0: fragile. Like it's so in, fragile.
1: In one turn, you can literally lose everything, the game, and whatever. If someone just decides to do something, some card might come out, which just like destroys you. Um there, there's a lot of stuff like that in the game, and apparently that's not a problem. And that's what the game is, and that's what I'm saying, is like a lot of people would really like that, I think. But it's just not something I'm super huge yeah. fan of. Like Root was approaching that like fragility state with like the nuclear card or just some things that factions can do uh, nuclear card meaning like there's a card where you can craft where it explodes all the sites with like particular face or whatever if I remember correctly but anyway it's just like really really swingy slash fragile slash trolley, and like take that doesn't even begin to describe it it's just yeah it's a very it feels like a weird sandbox of um, kind of alliance and area control mechanics with like weird wind conditions but like i say very definitely unique definitely very kind of brazen i guess and i can see how the game could have a lot of just fans um, out there unfortunately i'm not one of them <laughs> yeah, but that, i mean that's I'll, sad for me <laughs> I'll, I'll play if uh if, if trevor finds other people uh, other victims to play with uh <laughs> yeah,
0: <this>. well, and <laughs> anyway, this anyway, is yeah. this is sort of um, brought back to my mind because I played in the last um, couple of months. I've played a lot of Root uh, via the app, and I've played many many games with people that just know it really well. And those are the that's the most fun I've ever had with Root is when people just really really know it right and so i can see the same potential for oath and so even though i haven't played oath so many times that kind of like i've developed a meta with the with the group and you know you just kind of know the world of what's possible and kind of what you should be doing and how to how to know how to act but anyway i i know that once you get to that point with this game that's when it starts to really sing and so i i hope one day to, to be able to do that with Oath, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> I have to I have to find some more people to to subject to this
1: game. <laughs> yeah. No, I think the finest thing in the game is literally like you start rolling for a win after round five. That's that's pretty hilarious. That <laughs> yeah. just about describes the game, I think. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just weird. And there's no there's no getting around it. You just have to embrace that.
1: Yep. But anyway, yeah. I can see how you like it. Yep.
0: Anyways, that's our top five games of 2021. Now to the good stuff.
1: (laughs) Actually, before the good stuff, I was going to say honorable mentions or cheats. Um, The cheats, which are obvious, and I think you should have at least one, if not both. I'm amazed that you forgot about one of them is Beyond the Sun and Anno 1800. Technically they're 2020 games, 2020 two, zero, three, zero. Uh, but beyond the sun was not really available. I think at all in 2020, if I remember correctly, I think it came in later and Dano 1800 same, I think it actually came in way late in 2021, if I remember correctly, or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe if you got the first release of the games, you could get them early. But for me, I experienced them in 2021. Uh, actually those games would be in probably, like, one or two, maybe. Uh, Beyond the Sun, for sure. I think that's, like, the best game to come out in quite a while. I enjoy it quite a bit. I'm excited to see what they do with the expansion. Uh, The amazing thing is uh, they're also kind of taking feedback and changing some things that were kind of a problem with the original release of the game, like, balancing type stuff. So, I'm hoping that the expansion and, like, the new experience, revised experience is, like, the the good stuff. But it's... um, I don't know i think we talked about it before basically the summary of it is it's a game where you play on a tech tree and anyone can go to do an action of a technology that they've researched and the first person kind of chooses the way the tech tree develops from the previous technologies kind of to, to, uh, you have a choice and then everyone just kind of pl- keeps playing on that tech tree it kind of doesn't sound super amazing and actually I was kind of skeptical uh, when I was first even learning the game but it plays really wonderfully and there's a little bit of a area majority game going on to the side that's literally to the side like there's the main board and the little awkward sideboard And um, you do kind of area majority type stuff there. Just kidding. There's like points and um, actions tied to the board. It's hard hard to explain, but really, really cool game, Mano 1800s, I've only played it actually one time, I think, and it wasn't my copy, but I would like to play it more. I think the game has real potential. I'm a little bit scared that the control in that game might not be, your own which i don't like in games where what i what i'm saying is there's um an action there's a, a bunch of stuff that you do in the game where you can use other people's buildings in that case uh thematically i think you're like developing the new world by building up Cities and whatever in yeah. the United States, so just kind of and, relying on
0: them to have built stuff.
1: Yeah, not only are you relying on them to have built stuff, but like you're kind of helping them. So I almost wonder. Like, I hope it's not a case where like the most liked player in the game kind of wins because by using their buildings you're helping them and you can kind of help each other so there's a huge kind of again alliance thing or shared incentives or whatever in the game which I usually don't enjoy those games so much because of that. But I think, like I say, this game has pretty good potential. I liked, th- I like the way the game plays in general, and it's very kind of a cool system. It's Martin Wallace. And it's actually, I think uh, the type of game that he does better because <laughs> he's experimented throughout the years with like area control and weird stuff. And I think this is the kind of game that I think he's good at and, you um, Hopefully it gets better and not worse with more plays. That's all I have to say about the Anno 1800. (laughs) But yeah, uh, pretty cool, Like uh, uh, not a resource conversion game, resource generation, resource conversion, Tableau building uh, with shared incentives. You can use other people's stuff and help each other kind of with resources. And there's some goals towards the end. And yeah, again, hard to explain. Maybe we'll talk about it in the future as well when I play it more, so. Yeah, but those two, I feel like you should have like had them on your yeah, list so if you had I, stuff from 2020.
0: I added Beyond the Sun because the reason I didn't uh, have that on my list is because I I made it a, a 2021 list and I had Anno, but Anno is a 2020 game. And so it didn't show up on my 2021 list because it is not a 2021 yeah. game. Um. Or anyway that was kind of confusing, but, but yeah, no, those are, those are both fantastic games. I haven't played beyond the sun as much as you, cause I don't have that illness, <laughs> but no, uh, I've only played on, I think two times now really like the game, but yeah, it, it does have that element that you, you mentioned of, uh, you're kind of helping other people and you hope other people help you. And so, I, I don't know what the right strategy is f- for how to go about that, but I I am really interested to explore that one more as well. Um, the only other game that's 2021 that I wanted to have my honorable mentions is Excavation Earth. Uh, we've talked about it before on the podcast, so I won't talk about it much now. It's just a unique kind of theme where uh, it's a David Turtsy design, I believe, uh, where you're aliens coming to earth after human, humans have uh, gone extinct and you're going around the earth finding artifacts to then take them to uh, sell to buyers at these various sort of auction houses uh alien auction houses and then you are able to send cubes to the mothership that gives you like then player abilities and there's a black market concept and it's just it's a kind of fun themed uh economic game from david turtsy that i enjoyed i don't think you've played this one yet
1: yeah i didn't play that one time that you guys played so unfortunate but um, i am interested in the game yeah just in theory <laughs> we'll see <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we'll uh, we'll, see we'll get you to
0: play it sometime i've i've got a copy and there's actually they did another like expansion for it on kickstarter recently to add some stuff to it so uh, i'm sure we'll be talking about it more in the in
1: the year probably Yep. Uh, By the way, I also should mention that, unfortunately, as cool as we are, at least as cool as I am, (laughs) uh, there's a bunch of games that are listed in 2021, which I haven't played. So obviously, uh, when I said there aren't large games, maybe I just haven't played them yet. for example, uh, I'm just going to list some titles without even talking about them. The Adventures of Robin Hood uh, that I have a pretty high expectation for. And I think Trevor actually bought it. So I'm looking forward to trying yep. that one. Fayum actually is 2020 te- uh, technically or 2020. 20- 19 even i think which is amazing to me because i didn't even see it on shelves until this year so it's like two years delayed i don't know if the 2019 release was just in germany or something or what the heck but i feel like that's might as well be a 2022 game for me uh fame. sleeping gods unfortunately i missed stroganov is technically this year last year but not released after the empire i will get it sometime tabanusi is technically 2021 which is weird because (laughs) i haven't seen it on shelves as well
0: i just barely got my pre-order copy so it's like just barely arriving
1: yeah i feel like these games are just kind of a joke because they're listed 2021 and they were hoping for them to be released around christmas probably for like the Christmas shopping season, but they're all late. I think we're mostly, yeah, mostly Arc- late Ark
0: Nova is in that same boat too. Yeah.
1: Um, Brian Boru. I'm excited by the game, by the guy who did, uh, the king is dead. Um, kind of a weird looking game. Lizard wizard actually has been out it just, I haven't had the chance to try it. Mantis false is a Kickstarter game that I would like to play. Well, Riders I was interested in into deep and botanic those are the games i'm kind of interested in playing which i haven't in 2021 and they might have been on the lists because they look really good but yeah to i'm be just looking at the
0: 2020 list too and there's a couple of games i have <laughs> that we haven't played like uh yeah Imperium unfortunately classics is one I was,
1: yep i was going to say i have some of these like uh, i got mantis falls the kickstarter oh, like, yeah. in, into deep as well a couple of weeks ago i just haven't played them unfortunately
0: and then my pre-order copy of bitoku just arrived yesterday golem is still not really available um boone lake is the new alexander pfister game that is also really not available yet at least in the us although i've seen people posting about playing it in europe so anyway yeah there's a lot of games that may have made the list that just didn't because (laughs) they didn't arrive in time yeah
1: maybe we'll have a delayed portion next year as well yeah
0: Or maybe we'll just do an updated twenty top list yeah. of twenty twenty one later in the year. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's jump into the fun stuff. Uh, I'll kick the it off.
1: Unfun stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, the unfun stuff. So this is gonna, for for me comparing my expectations to reality and like how much I didn't enjoy the game. My number five is Origins, First Builders. Um, I suspect this game might be higher on Hristo's list <laughs> if he had any expectations <laughs> for it at all. <laughs> I think it kind of might not make your list because I think you may not have had any expectations going in. So this is uh, designed by Adam Kopinski, um, published by Borden Dice. I was intrigued to try this because Adam Kopinski is known for his other games like uh, Nemesis and Lords of Hellas he did design i think another euro ish type game uh i know he designed Frostpunk, which is also not out i th- thought there was another one but anyway
1: oh Dark yeah i Ages. can't remember exactly i looked at his record and i haven't actually played some of his games but yeah Ark of animals lols no that's yeah i i don't know um recently Recently, what has he done? Lords of Ragnarok. Actually, I thought that was someone else. That's no, surprising.
0: it's it's uh that's his baby. So,
1: <laughs> Terracotta Army. I've never played that game at all. I don't know what it is. Knockdown. What the heck? Yeah, I don't know. Yep. So Not anyway, sure what you're thinking about.
0: Uh, Origins is oh well. The game I was thinking about is called Dark Ages. It's another game that that Board and Dice put out. I think it's a Euro ish style game but I, I think it's also area control so maybe not um but that was like the game where there's actually two versions of the game and if you have both the versions then you have the full map <laughs> but if you only have one of the game you just have half a map but it's still a full game so it's a anyway it's a it's a game i haven't pl- played and probably never will play because i don't think anybody will ever have that in our group uh, but anyway origins first builders was uh sort of in my mind Adam Kopinski's first full-on Euro game. It's a dice placement game. Uh, Theme is almost irrelevant, but it's uh, aliens coming to give knowledge to humans to build the great wonders of the world in the past somehow. But uh, basically the way I would describe this game is it takes some ideas from a lot of the other T games that board and dice puts out waters them down and makes them worse <laughs> so
1: i was gonna say it waters down actually mostly like the Canoe is what i feel like it waters down that's the game that yeah. most closely resembles There's, my feeling it, of playing the game at least
0: yeah it I wouldn't say that it's like a direct copy of any of them, but yeah, I guess it, it might have the most similarities with Tekenu. Um, but basically, you the value of your die determines whether you can or place it.
1: Or actually, because the value is going up and stuff. Yeah,
0: like that's what I was thinking. Values going up is kind of like Uh There's some spinning. And anyway, uh, so you're placing these dice at one of five sites and you get to do the one or one of the two actions at the site unless it's a six then you get to do both um and then if your color the the color of the die that you place matches the color of the mothership uh, at that worker placement spot then you also get to do a bonus action and If your die equals or exceeds the value of the mothership at the location, then you don't have to pay anything to place your die, but if it is less than that, then you have to pay the difference between the mothership and your die in wisdom, which is one of the resources. Um, And we had a pretty big problem, especially towards the end of the game, of not being able to do anything with your die. Uh, if depending on just how the round is playing out and there's no like consolation pre- place where you can just place, a uh, a, a die to, you know, just get some kind of con- consolation prize, uh, one resource or whatever, and then have that die still increase in value. And I hope we played that right, but it seemed that if you weren't able to place a die, then its value stayed the same and did not increase, which, uh, was kind of painful. Um. There's this weird element where the one of the end game conditions is if there's only three or fewer of these tower disks left on the board. And in our game, because of how it was set up, we could have done that in the first or, or second round of the game. Second round, yeah. Uh, if, so, if
1: someone wanted to do it, the thing yeah. is like, uh the the only thing that's stopping you from doing it is you may not win, obviously because it's an action where like you're not really getting points out of it, I think, so by doing it, you maybe are losing, but the game yeah. ends, which is really awkward that the game can end in like round two and yeah. it's supposed to be like sixteen or something yeah, you know? and if
0: it's if like, you're what? wanting and if you're playing with someone who wants the game to end, that can just be really. <laughs>
1: (laughs) yep there's nothing stopping you from doing it and yeah i just lost but i hate the game so screw you and that's kind of yeah yeah. exactly
0: (laughs) yep (laughs) so i i don't i for the life of me i can't understand why that decision was made but whatever and and then there's these three um constellation tracks that like if you you, you have they're, the ability temple, to like, tracks. Yeah, like, temple tracks
1: tracks <laughs> they're like terra mystica basically same quality or uh what is it called Uh token they're they're just as interesting as yeah that. just
0: as interesting well the only interesting <laughs> thing is that if you so there's an action on the board to they each of these tracks has a, a asymmetric player ability card associated with it and there's an action where you can take that card but that's it. That card is the only interesting thing about the track.
1: I I think the funniest thing is like, that's what you get from the track is being able to have the card because after every round it adjusts and whoever's highest on the tracks of the temple tracks or whatever gets the card however there's just an action where you can just take the card so
0: you (laughs) literally could take it and then someone (laughs) will take it from you immediately so you would never have had it which actually happened to me i never got to use one of these cards the whole game i never used one yeah
1: no it's i think it's hilarious that like your reward for being high on the temples is just an action one of the like six actions you can do or 10 actions you can take in the game is just take the cards so
0: just take it um and then the other part of the game that i actually did like is uh, you build the you take these hex uh tiles and put them together in arrangements in your city that you're building in front of you and then you can retire dice into that city to to run something of an engine which and, and then you're also doing contract fulfillment to score points for like the, what color arrangements you have in your city. so I actually enjoyed that part of the game. There's a military track that I think is largely the rich get richer because the first year you are on that track, the first year you are in turn order in the game forever, and at, it never changed. but, but then it just game. goes
1: but then it just goes right, which is hilarious yeah. as well, or left yeah. wire, clockwise. so yeah it's like so first but then just go clockwise
0: yeah and it's funny because the, it's a military track around this like gladi gladiatory like an you know a, w- I forget Coliseum arena yeah, yeah Coliseum, like some some yeah. kind of arena but <laughs> you don't actually fight each other so you kind of just like wave your swords in the air um or just like write strongly worded letters at each other um because there literally nothing happens uh, there's no negative well, player you interaction you get the
1: resources from the outside from the game yeah, not from yeah, the players yeah you get
0: resources but there's no like there's no player interaction other than you being in front of a player so i don't know i i when i played the game i enjoyed the experience of playing it because i just had fun i guess learning a new game and kind of experiencing it. Um, and I was, I was interested to see how it played out because of the, who the designer is. And I was just curious if he'd design a game that I actually like. Um, and unfortunately, no, I think it just has too many problems. And if you want to play a game that does any kind of these things, there are other games from board and dice and other publishers that just do it way better. And so it's just, it just wasn't for me.
1: Uh, you know what the funniest thing is my number five is origins first builders oh, no. <laughs> it's not even a joke it's uh, yeah. it is actually my number five the only reason it's not higher like you were saying is because my expectations were actually really low when going into the game but surprise they were like the game was even worse than i expected <laughs> so how is that even possible i don't know how it's possible uh no i don't know even where to begin with this game uh when i was reading the rules i was like wow this actually doesn't sound good at all. Um and I don't know you had the idea to buy and play the game which is amazing to me because it's relatively unknown maybe because of Adam Kupinski like you say just kind of to try it but I was just like how did you find out about this game and also like it sounds not good <laughs> at all <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually I want I wanted to check uh, if we played correctly because some of the aspects that you mentioned like your dice don't increase at the end of the round that's really bad and I'm just I was just like amazed that that's the way it is and i wanted to check but i just haven't brought myself to like spend the time to actually touch that rule book and like lay my eyes on that horrible thing again to check (laughs) if that's correct. But that's like really, really bad. Basically it's a kind of a huge runaway leader type of game. And the theory I think is uh, what Trevor was saying. And I think uh, maybe what other people might excuse is like, yeah, it happens to everyone, like not being able to place a die. But basically just like the logic of it is like insane to me because it's supposedly like a Euro game dice drafting actions whatever you know like resources clever stuff but like it's equivalent to in the worker placement game like if you don't get to place a worker your worker goes away so it's like not only did you not get the action in this round because you just got like uh it's uh, it has to do with like Uh, the ships rotate so you have to place a die that's higher or equal to the ship so throughout the round basically the actions get maybe worse and worse however the funny thing is when they reach 6 they reset to 1 so you could be able to place by just waiting it out if it's too high for you or something Uh, so there's a lot of these like decisions of I think in theory you should look around the table a lot and see what colors people have and what actions they're likely to do and in which order they're likely to do them so that someone can reset a six to one basically so that you can place your one that's that's the idea uh and like i was saying i think the theory is like the the bad stuff happens equally to everyone around the table but it's also an engine building game and like if you get stuff early you're likely to just keep doing well so i don't know there's just so many like trevor was saying like problems with this game i don't even know where to begin but I was just like, wow, this is not good. In 2021, I was almost thinking like, I can't believe this got published just in general. I don't know, maybe I'm being too harsh on the game, but just, uh, I don't yeah, know, it's, it's just-, just- Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. It's
0: interesting. We might be kind of in the minority on this one because this is this game is actually getting pretty high marks with other reviewers in the industry. Like I know Rado like loves this game, (laughs) Uh, and and some other. I just was watching in the last week. I think people on the Dice Tower, whatever, was doing some of their top tens for the year, and this game showed up a couple of times. Uh, So. People are liking it. I just, it has too many problems for me. Uh,
1: The game is offensive. Just kidding. That's uh, (laughs) some guy from Germany. He's my pal, I guess. I'm just looking at the reviews. Yeah, I think offensive even. He wrote it in German. That's why. Anyway, there's there's a few people who see the light in reviews <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with yeah. like w- balancing issues, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Quite bad, no compensation for the last player, just, no, it's funny. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know, people might like it, but just my experience with the game is really just just bad, like overall, I feel like like trevor was saying i think he put a lot of work and thought into the city building type of the parts of the game which you do with like tiles and stuff but there's three other things in the game which i feel like are super undeveloped which is the military track and the temples i think those things could have been way better than what they are like the temple should have had like step rewards you know like when you go up you get stuff or like when you reach a tier you get stuff the military should have been tied to something else or not just first player if you're first that's it uh you know there's just like there could have been so much more in so many places in the game that is just ridiculous like it's just kind of bothered me when i was playing and there's just yeah there's just so many missed opportunities just so many missed opportunities in yeah. my opinion with and this game
0: maybe i had an enjoyable experience playing it because i i th- I don't know, maybe to some degree I thought it was heading somewhere more interesting. It's like, oh, this is this is kind of neat how that works. That, that could be cool. And like, oh, those 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 player power cars, that could be cool if I could get those. But then just the way it played out, it was like, oh, well, like it really wasn't that interesting. And, and I'm seeing more now in retrospect what you're saying. Like This just feels kind of underdeveloped. And they were kind of, I think, designing this to be a lighter weight Euro style game. But in doing so, they kind of killed a lot of what makes the other games in in at least Borden Dice's Euro lineup, what makes those games
1: good is just missing from this game. Yeah. And actually that's I was thinking about that as well. Maybe we're coming from the perspective of like having played like the Kenu or something or Teotihua or Tolkien or Bora Bora or something. But I was just thinking in my head like who why would I play this when, for example, if you want like degrading action spaces, you should play Bora Bora. If you want good dice drafting with like uh, cool decisions, you should play Takenu. If you want the rising dice thing, you should play Teotihuacan, You know, like there's, if you want temple tracks, you should play uh, either Terra Mystica or Guy Project or uh, Tolkien again. Uh, yeah, so like, there's the t- all these the games.
0: Yeah, basically. all of
1: these games that like, are better than what this game is trying to do and that like i don't know what this game has going for it you know that's what i was thinking in my head it's just kind of i don't know not it kind of a miss for me yeah uh, like to to say the least (laughs) (laughs) like i say my 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 impression after playing the game was like i can't believe this got published this needs like maybe a developer or another designer to like finish the game which really. is that's, which is that's so my, strange <laughs> to me because
0: because the development team behind this game is actually really good <laughs> so it's just strange to me that this one made it out into the wild um but to, to put a wrap on that you'll appreciate this i have actually already sold this game like a week or two ago like right after we played it and it i I've been paid for it, but they have not come to pick it up yet. So it's, nice. still, it's still sitting in my house. Maybe you, I'll sell it again. <laughs>
1: you, you can explore the depths of strategy that the game offers. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. don't know. I mean, maybe we just had like a particularly bad play of it, but I, like the, I, in the mechanics, I can see how the problems exist. So i right. not yeah. super interested, unfortunately.
0: Yep. Well, that's funny that we have a double crossover yeah. right there on the first one. Let's just uh, keep going. Keep yeah. going forward. All right the next one is going to be a crossover. I know it, uh, actually, maybe not. My number four is red rising, um, from Stonemeyer games designed by Alexander Schmidt and Jamie Stegmeyer. This may be the first Stonemeyer game that I have purchased and sold. Uh,
1: the first of many in yeah. the future.
0: <laughs> Just the my, no, I actually every, like. Stoneheart Games actually has its downfall. Yeah, uh, Stoneheart Games fill a fill a good slot in in the collection in my collection for kind of being games that are welcoming to people who don't play as many games, but still kind of scratch some some itches of more interesting games. But anyway, so this is. Um, a game that's basically Fantasy Realms reskinned into this Red Rising book series theme, and then adding a board and some, I don't know, some tracks to get points and and things like that. Uh, basically, the the gameplay is you uh, you play a card, pick up a card, and you'll get different kinds of resources or point or rewards for that and then you're just trying to like create a hand of cards that synergizes with itself to generate points at the end of the game and then once one of the end game conditions uh, is or when the end game condition is triggered you then just reveal your hands and then see who has the most points and so the cards in this game are based on this Red Rising book series so there's like specific character names or there's a job descriptions because the red rising book I, I haven't read it but i understand it. it's kind of like a book about caste systems so there's like red people and blue people and gold people and gold people are super cool and and red people i i don't know anything about the theme so i'm going to stop talking about the theme <laughs> anyway yep,
1: no idea here uh, either. yeah
0: no no idea but uh this is hilarious so every time I played this game I told myself I'm not going to pick the card or the cards that make me need to search for specific cards because there are too many cards in this game and it never works out in my experience even with the orange cards or whatever that can kind of like just create a card an imaginary card that satisfies descriptions but the I don't know the game just never really came together for me The theme is uninteresting to me and the way the game plays out is kind of adding too many variables to the fantasy realm systems that make the game kind of more fragile in my opinion and so you can kind of just spend the game searching for stuff that just never happens and so although i wouldn't say the game is just a bad design it's just not one that i really enjoyed um i know you've played this a couple times and i've played fantasy realms with you before i I think i prefer fantasy realms because it's a more condensed version of this game that kind of works better in my opinion but what do you think of red rising
1: i don't know this game or what you're talking about oh
0: okay we'll we'll just move (laughs) on (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's kind of funny yeah that might happen a lot with my list now that we're offset but anyway i'll just talk about my game actually which is four and i'm sure that's actually not on your list because you like it but mercado de lisboa um unfortunately this game was a disappointment for me it's not like a bad game and like it's kind of funny that it's like worse supposedly than origins first builders which it definitely isn't <laughs> like are you kidding me uh, but <laughs> you just had rel- more expectation yeah I guess. but relative to my expectations of like the Lish-Boa name which is like super sacred and the designer uh gosh what's his name again i forgot what his name is vital acerta vital yeah um being designed by Vital Lacerda and having the name of Lisboa even though it was ad- obviously advertised as a lighter game I was just like oh my gosh that's it like this is it it's like it just feels like a really small uh, really abstract game where I don't know if there's anything particularly clever going on in it it's a fine game it works like it's a game but it also feels kind of lifeless to me like the just the, even the art of it um there's these people walking through a market and doesn't feel like it's people walking through a market. It feels like you're just solving a spreadsheet, basically is what I would describe the feeling of the game. Uh, like I say, not a bad game, not, not there's no problems with the game. So to speak like there's the, the game works, the game functions. It's just kind of, I expected maybe something else, um, in from Mercado de Lisboa, just the name, the designer, uh, that's really it. um to me it's kind of not so exciting and unfortunately going through the list i was like i came into it maybe expecting more uh yep that's that's about it it's How concise, dare you? very 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 small game so at least it's over quickly <laughs> yeah <but> yeah
0: <laughs> no uh as you can tell it was not on my top list nor was it on my honorable mentions because i, I do like the game and it, it works but for exactly what you said it's not as cool as the mini game in actual Licheboa and it's not as gripping so i i'm always up to play it uh, in fact i just played it it's on bga now so i i just played it um last week with with a family member and i i'm always up to play it and i enjoy it but it's not one that has necessarily like the same staying powers any other lacerda game for me is it on
1: um, bga not in beta or whatever uh,
0: i think it's still in beta
1: Okay, I was gonna say i I must have missed it in the releases because I like added all the games, but it must be new, yeah uh, I'd be interested in, to play it online to see if like I'll get into it or something, but I feel like there's just not much game going on also. In, you in might actually
0: like playing it more on BGA because all of all of the I mean, it's just automated right? So the game's even faster if if
1: you play it on on so you can do it in like 10 minutes or something probably yeah
0: you could you could easily knock a game out in 10 15 minutes
1: yeah yeah i don't know but just like lishboa is like one one of my all-time favorite games and just i was expecting just maybe a lot from this because maybe my problem with it
0: yeah all right uh my number three is terraforming Mars Ares Expedition? Um, <laughs> I just don't like this <laughs> game, <laughs> and it probably has something to do with. I know you're a big fan of uh, Race for the Galaxy. I am not, um, and I I used ask to like me. <laughs> yeah, I used to like terraforming Mars, the bigger game, more than I do now, and I'll still play it um but so this one comes out and it's it's uh, terraforming mars the card game which is kind of funny because terraforming mars the full game is kind of a card game with some (laughs) board yeah um but anyway it's it's basically copy and paste from the race for the galaxy system um but not even as good in my opinion i don't know i just every time i play this game i just feel like there's nothing gripping happening i don't care about the cards it's just like i don't know it's just kind of like a (laughs) i don't know like the gaming experience just feels lost and it just wasn't fun for me so that that could just be speaking of i don't enjoy race for the galaxy but i can appreciate that it's a good design i don't like this game and it doesn't have the same interest as race for the galaxy for me so i just i I kickstarted this game and got everything for it, and then sold it. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's. I just don't enjoy it. It's not fun for me. But I can see if you like Race for the Galaxy and if you're really into the terraforming Mars theme, then like this might be a fun game for you because the game works. I guess it's just not fun. The the experience of playing it is not fun for me.
1: I don't know what you what game <laughs> you're talking about. This yeah. I haven't played this I, game.
0: I should yeah you've never <laughs> played this game I should say that this might be I don't know my top three are kind of tied for how much I dislike the game but this <laughs> this might be the game I dislike the most but I didn't have as high of expectations as I did for my two and one so so this is that's why it's my number three uh anyway I'll uh, I'll let you talk about games yeah. you've actually heard of
1: i'm afraid we're offset by one game and i'm kind of wondering what game you have that i don't have in place of Mercado de lisboa but my number three is red rising so yeah uh like you say it's fantasy realms but larger and actually that sounded cool to me when i first heard about the game uh my big problem with the game as as you were talking about it, I was just thinking like how to distill my problem with the game. My problem with the game is the system was kind of random to begin with in fantasy realms, which they remade as red rising or Jamie Stegmaier did or whatever, but fantasy Realms was a quick game, which ended quickly. So it was just kind of snappy and just kind of like it's over. So everything worked, uh, In Red Rising, or or I should say in Fantasy Realms, a lot of the cards that you get are very simply worded. So like, basically you're getting like uh, a mountain and the card literally like a mountain and it's like plus 20 points if with ocean. So you make like an island basically thematically. So it's kind of cool. You can think of it or like you get like a card that's like wizard plus 30 if with dragons. So you just wanna collect dragons, like simple, right? And like, you're making like an army of dragons or something, cause you're a wizard, pretty cool, right? In Aries, oh, just kidding. In uh, Red Rising, uh, the cards are kind of more complicated, which I guess adds to the game but also there's a lot of card reading and that just extends the game and i guess if you play it a lot you can learn the cards but i think the biggest problem for me is like how long the game is how prolonged the whole experience is and like how the cards are weird which is i guess good because there's a lot of them but also that makes looking for particular cards even more painful because there's a huge deck of cards but a lot of the cards are like take a card from this pile and then like move this up. But if this happens, do this other thing. So like, you have to read every card in the game to play well and it just doesn't add up to like a cool experience and it's just way too long. And unfortunately I would rather play Fantasy Realms Is the the end result of all that. But basically what Trevor said, like it's, um, it's kind of a miss for me. I don't care about the theme, sadly, I would rather like collect my ocean with my mountains, so I can make an island and be happy. I don't want to look for weird characters. And I guess if you're a Red Red, Red Rising fan, that's a cool thing. You can enjoy a theme, a game about a book that you like a lot, or a series or whatever of books. Um, but kind of a miss for me, unfortunately, because I also expected it to be an improvement on fantasy realms. And actually I like it less than fantasy realms, sadly. So fantasy realms is good though. I like fantasy realms. Yeah, that's it.
0: (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, my number two is seven wonders architects. Uh, Hmm. How can I say this as nicely that's, as that, I can? That's an
1: expansion <laughs> for the base game, right? The Seven Wonders no, base game, or is it a new game? It's a new game,
0: yeah. huh? And I'll just say this the nicest way I can. This game is a hot pile of garbage. <laughs> uh, I understand <laughs> that it's a lighter game than Seven Wonders, and it's it's supposed to be lighter and, and all that sure that's fine i'm cool with light games but this game is just randomness happening to your face the whole game there's like basically no decision the way the game works is everybody has uh like a wonder in front of them that's on these cardboard tiles that's flipped upside down so it looks like it's you know under scaffolding so it's a race game to see who uh who finishes their wonder first and uh you do your turn is picking a card from one of three locations one of two shared decks so you share a deck with your neighbor to your right and your left neighbor to your left and there the card on is just face up so you can you can both see what the card is and and it will either be like a resource or a shield or you know something that that's that you recognize from the seven wonders game, or you can just pick a card from the middle deck which is just top decking um and invariably what happens is the decks between you and your neighbors get stopped at shields or a stupid like two point blue card that nobody wants right because you need resources to build your wonders so I kid you not, several times I've played this with with uh people. I've looked around the table and everybody has a red card face up between them and their neighbors. So what is everybody doing? Everybody's just pulling a card from the middle deck. So basically you're just top, top decking cards. Top deck
1: to win. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Top deck to win. <laughs> That's how it plays every time
1: <laughs> right nice
0: so or you know or you can just say like okay well i want this game to move on so i will take one for the team i'll i'll set uh, up the next player yeah, for
1: a good I'll turn i'll pull
0: that off and so like i pull that card off they obviously take the better card under it that yep. is that it for their next turn and then guess what it is when it comes back to my <laughs> yeah, turn
1: it's bad again <laughs> it's bad again yep that's right? usually the experience so, with those games
0: yeah it's it is so bad this game is not good <laughs> the the Seven Wonders drafting game. It, it, there's more to teach someone to get into playing that. Like Seven Wonders is remarkably complicated to teach to someone who doesn't play games. It, but you wouldn't think of it that way if you do play a lot of games it's more worth it to just like figure it out and play that game with (laughs) with other people because this game is not fun it it's just not fun and i see this a lot of people are giving this a lot of praise it's making a lot of top tens i don't get it i don't get it it's not a good game (laughs) in my opinion so anyway (laughs) that's that's my number two
1: i was gonna say that's that means a lot coming from a huge seven wonders fan um you actually have a lot of history i think with seven wonders and like, yeah gaming i have and stuff
0: i have seven wonders was like the first game my wife and i started playing together um when we started getting into you know games that weren't uh just like face card games or or you know settlers of Catan or whatever it's just like this was the first game that we bought together with Seven Wonders, and so we played a lot of that. I really like Seven Wonders Duel a lot, um, and so I was like, "Oh, a new Seven Wonders game! Let's try it." <laughs> and it is, oh, it did not do it for me.
1: Yeah, my um, my. Seven Wonders is already kind of light-ish for me, but yes, as you say, I think for people who don't play games at all, like maybe that's uh, uh, they try to simplify it even more, which sounds like a disaster to me because Seven Wonders light enough; it doesn't need to be simplified. If anything, like I'd I'd like it to have more stuff than the the base experience. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah sounds sounds not good. So yeah, yeah. well, this one's Wander's also architect.
0: on BGA, so you can you can <laughs> play it. I still have it. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't sold it yet, but I'm going, I think I'm just going to give it to somebody.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe if I find it as a demo or something or if people really want to play it for some reason, but yeah, it doesn't sound good. Anyway, my number two is, and I'm guessing we're actually going to have an overlap for one, so yay, I think I know what it is. But number two is the other overlap that I had, uh, Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. Um, the... This game actually sounded really cool like Trevor's saying I'm um, uh, it, it looked similar to race for the galaxy even like the actions that you do like they might as well being have been called the exact same thing like develop settle explore whatever produce um, produce consume they're a little bit different but like the game had a lot of similarities to race for the galaxy and in theory it sounded like really cool because yay another game kind of like race for the galaxy right wrong um trevor already talked about kind of just the way the game feels um he also kind of didn't really care about what's happening in the game the points seemed a little bit kind of way very arbitrary i think the biggest fail in the game has as as he was talking i was thinking about like what i dislike the most is probably the decision to include a lot of like it's not just like one or two but a lot of effects which are like reveal the first five cards Take all of them which have plants, and that's like a lot of them, not not just plants, but a lot of kind of like reveal cards and take the cards that match something, um, or just, I don't know, I don't know how to describe the game, but... Uh, in race for a galaxy actually one of the cool things that you can do is try to predict what other people will play by just what they have and how many cars they have for example in uh, aries expedition basically good luck with that like there's just no freaking way Um, there's too many cars of different types people could do just about anything Uh, i don't actually like that you can't repeat the same action over and over. Like, I don't know, maybe that led to like explosive things in the, that's why they disabled it. But basically you can't choose the same thing as last time, which I don't know, it just, the the expectations that I had for this game were again pretty high maybe because of them saying it's like Race for the Galaxy or maybe me in my head imagining it being like Race for the Galaxy but playing the game was just super disappointing I was just like holy crap this is it and it actually ironically feels does feel like playing Terraforming Mars more than Race for the Galaxy so if you like Terraforming Mars and you don't mind the like reveal th- the first seven cards and take all of them that have a science symbol type stuff or like however many science symbols there are that many resources you get or money or something like basically just like push your luck reveal from the top of the deck. I think you might be okay with this game because yeah, it's like terraforming Mars shorter. Um, but to me it was just a complete miss, like really hardcore miss. Uh, also, one thing that they changed which is really annoying and like slows down the game it makes it really bad and it's very simple is in race for the galaxy the explore action is first so basically if you see that something's about to happen because someone else will play it like develop or settle you can try to explore and hopefully get something that you can piggyback off of their action in this game explore is last so if you don't have cards Guess what, you're not doing actions at all. Like the card, the action, the type of actions that are like play a card. Yeah, there's compensation. That yeah, there's <laughs> compensation. You can get like a dollar or something if you don't play a card or something, but the whole point of the game is to play cards. And like just putting the explore action last is I think a mistake. They should have done it first like it is in Race for Galaxy. So just things like that, like I just didn't like um I wonder so if they did it that
0: way just to like Just to, for the sake of being not race for the galaxy.
1: Yeah, or maybe like to make you plan. Like, oh, you should have uh, anticipated that people are gonna play play cards actions this round. So you should have played the get cards action so you're ready for next round i don't know <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, maybe it's like oh plan better but no you it's it i don't think it improves the game because it's it's also kind of random what people choose like pseudo random because you might think that you know what someone's going to choose but they might not choose it because surprise and then you're like two rounds behind instead of one anyway there's just a bunch of stuff like that and the biggest thing like i say is the single biggest thing is so many effects of reveal x cards and get something based on how many cards are revealed that are of the right type so anyway yeah whatever it's um it's a thing but terraforming mars harry's expedition so,
0: yeah i see a lot of people saying that they would if they're picking between this and the main terraforming ours they'd pick this and the only thing i can think of is that it's because it plays in like a third of the time
1: yep it's faster for sure and it does actually feel somewhat like playing terraforming mars i'll give it that
0: kind of i guess yeah i didn't get the same feeling it's the same theme but i missed the parts i liked about terraforming mars were just missing so that that's just how I came down yeah.
1: on that. I mean, you eventually build a tableau of cards, and you build around some kind of strategy, whether it's to like pump solar or something, or pump plants or whatever, and you just run that, and hopefully it's the best choice around the table. Yeah, well, in, in cool. some way, <laughs> I- I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> we we way. both.
0: Uh, I'm glad we both love that game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think our number one uh, is it Merchant's Cove
1: yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs)
0: all right well i'll give just a, a little overview and then we can talk about it uh i had pretty high hopes that this game would be cool it was pitched as an asymmetric euro game with like lots of asymmetry so each player is playing an entirely different character than every other player And the purpose of the game is to produce these gems or whatever that you can then take to the main game board to sell them, get points, and, you know, score. And so there's uh, a game with, like, some tile manipulation. One of the characters, uh, I'm not convinced that character actually works. There's a character that I played, the Alchemist, I think that's kind of, like... Playing a little bit of a potion explosion game where you've got marbles. I think you were playing some kind of captain with a <laughs> with a spinny dial. Yep,
1: <laughs> yep the spinner game. Yeah, it's and then there,
0: and then there's another one with some kind of dice rolling or dice placement
1: or the the, the whatever, whoever the mm- forge blacksmith.
0: Yeah, the blacksmith. So, uh, maybe maybe some of these characters are fun to play like in and of themselves. So maybe one player or two player playing the game are actually having fun with it. Um, but f- functionally you could all be playing the same character and none of you would notice because the way you interact in the middle board of the game is it is completely irrelevant what your, playing in your own space. So it doesn't matter that you're asymmetrical because you all end up playing the same kind of sell your goods game as everybody else. And spoiler alert, that game's not that interesting. It's really kind of dry and there's not a lot of intrigue to it. I mean, you kind of are loading these different workers up onto these boats to kind of trigger when the boat sails or sails into the port which will then determine like the how many of each thing you can sell or or, or the value of the different um the, the of the different uh goods that you're selling so you're kind of like trying to set the market up so that the stuff you want to sell is going to be really valuable so but that's it. There's n- there's not really much more than that. And so I think that the game just ultimately is not that interesting because it doesn't matter that you're asymmetric and the game that you're all playing together is kind of really elementary and not, not really all that interesting. So that, that's my take on it.
1: Yeah, it's actually very difficult for me to like verbalize why I didn't like this game so much, but like you say I think the overall feeling is, is just not very interesting there's not very like it the, the doesn't feel like I don't know the design is inspired it's like the opposite actually it feels like it's bland like it's just the word bland comes to me which is very surprising actually because the board itself looks really good the art looks really good like the meeples and everything they did like the kickstarter stuff and yeah it's a great production and it has like the ingredients like you know it has the words of like oh this character is playing like dice placement you know and there's like drafting of workers and there's these huts where it's multiplication scoring at the end and there's a time track it's so cool you know like there's these like technical words that make a game but the game itself just doesn't feel fun or interesting to play whatsoever um again i think we might be coming from the perspective of where you're expecting the game to be more than what it is and what it is is like a ridiculously family type game where it's just simple like it's really simple slash bland to me even the time track like it's just not gosh i don't know it's not interesting and the biggest thing for me that's the killer is at least if the characters were interesting to play or like if they were even like balanced if there was some game there i could tolerate it but i feel like the characters have like inherent unbalanced stuff happening like and because the game is so low interaction uh you just kind of i think we'll always win with some characters and we'll always lose with some other characters that's just my feeling um after playing the game and yeah you might say like oh you haven't explored like how cool the game is after like one play or something but i don't know the game is just so simple that it's I don't think there's anything to explore further than what, what our play was of of it.
0: No, you like, you might get better at playing the individual characters or you, you like, you might have fun exploring different characters, like how they play, but ultimately you're all still playing the same game. And so the, the, I don't think that the variable characters ultimately fixes the whole experience. So. Yeah. Once once the shine of playing a new character wears off, then you're just left with the same kind of mediocre game.
1: And to your point, a lot of the things, a lot of the actions were just really kind of obvious. Uh I mean, it's built into the game, but like the spinner thing was almost like a joke and I guess that tells you what the level of the game is. Like there's a character with a spinner. And yeah, the spinner is like somewhat balanced, but it is a spinner so it's just kind of uh there's push your luck in that character and yeah if you i guess the uh, if you don't like that kind of stuff don't play that character that's the obvious thing but i feel like that kind of is the whole game is just i don't know just a bunch of um unfortunately disappointments for me and the cool thing is i really like these types of games you know i was expecting uh, maybe again high expectations or just the game sounded really cool i was expecting something like root or uh whatever vast where you're playing like ridiculously different games and they all come together on the main board but this just didn't have the anywhere near the same kind of feeling as those games and i think actually i think the biggest key for that is i was looking at uh, some feedback from other people as well on the game which uh, they didn't like it uh there's no interaction in the game and i think that's pretty big in a game like this um
0: yeah another- like the only interaction you have is is putting colors on the boats that yes. other people might not want
1: Yep, that's it. And that's the whole thing. We're taking their cards, which uh, the cards are kind of whatever. They're on the main board, which might affect multiplication scoring or whatever. Or oh, what they can right. Do. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. And uh, I think actually um, going back to maybe we expected the game to be more complicated or more involved than it is because we like are prefer heavier games on average, I guess you could say. Uh, there's another simple game which works really well, uh, which is Villainous that one is like this one a game where you play a ridiculously different character which has like completely different mechanics from anyone else however the big difference there is interaction you can totally like if someone's leading you can just attack them uh and the attacks the attacks are very simplistic because it's a very kind of lightweight game and it's disney and whatever uh but i think that makes the game work and it makes it more interesting even though i didn't like villainous that much it's like way better than this um so i think if you're looking for kind of a lighter game that is somewhat interesting and it's still light and easy to understand or easier to understand i think villainous is a better game than this sadly because i expected this to be kind of like a euro kind of route maybe but no it yep. was just a disappointment
0: yeah and that's that's why it's my number one is root is one of like probably in, i it's in my top five favorite games of all time and so i was thinking oh wow we we might get like a euro game that kind of attempts to do something yep. on that scale and it just wasn't that
1: yep no it's just like heads down play your character look up once in a while to load the boats or just see how people kind of screw just screwed up your plants, plans sorry plants <laughs> plans <laughs> uh terraforming mars is bleeding over um uh but yeah it's it's very kind of isolated it felt very like simple uh i think your comment was like you were looking at one of the other players and he just looked like really sad and uh, bored (laughs) most of the game i think that just describes kind of the game for everyone as like sadness and boredom um at least in our group i don't know yeah
0: yeah there was that whatever the time travel character based on rick and morty uh I, I just yeah. distinctly remember looking over to our friend who was playing that character in like three quarters of the game, the way through the game, he's like, I still don't know how to make this character do anything. <laughs> so it's no, just like, I think it he just was wasn't like,
1: working. I think he was taking basically the obvious actions. And that's a lot of the game is it's very sad, but I think the actions are kind of obvious that you should maybe take. And once you figure that out, it's just kind of going through the motions and hope that you get lucky in some ways.
0: Yeah, just doing obvious things, but not really, like, actually having fun interacting with the the board.
1: Yeah, anyway. Maybe, that's not a terrible game, I think, if you like super light games and you don't mind, like, family-type games and no interaction whatsoever, but for yeah. us I think it was just a massive disappointment.
0: Yeah, like, the, the game works. Uh, I don't think I had a problem with, you know, it, like, falling apart. It just wasn't It wasn't what I expected it to be.
1: I think the falling apart was the difference in scores, possibly.
0: (laughs) Oh, actually, I wasn't thinking about that. That could be... Yeah, I mean, the the easier character to play, or I guess... I don't, I don't know one, if it's
1: easier i think it's just easier it's just, to score with yeah so that's, what, that's like, what i was gonna say yeah like you, just, it, you play uh same effort, higher score
0: yeah exactly like you you the there are characters where the way to score is easier to do than other characters and so it i don't have any stats but my impression is that the characters that are easier to score with are just gonna win
1: yeah, maybe. I don't know. It'd be interesting if they did stats and like adjusted the game, but I d- fully don't expect that no. sure to do anything like no. that. <laughs> no, I so, think there's too
0: many boxes of yeah. unplaytested
1: tested stuff. <laughs> yep. And actually again a game I feel like which could have been something better if it was developed more. But um, like I was looking at rules and I think they changed some of the rules which affect the balancing obviously like insanely at the last minute. And basically in a super complicated game like this, that I think this is what happens when you adjust the rules at the last minute is you end up with I think inherently kind of unbalanced characters, so yeah, anyway, it's whatever.
0: Yeah, cool. well, that's uh, that's the list of top five disappointments. Uh, do you have
1: any honorable mentions?
0: You know, I I might let me think about it for a second. Why don't you mention <laughs>
1: yours? Dishonorable mentions. Um, I do have a couple, uh, which were 2021. One of them was like hilariously broken and I still kind of want to play it to just see how can this game work, but it's shamans. It's a trick-taking game where it's kind of like team mechanics, so there's good people and bad people, and by playing tricks you're trying to kind of score, but you're also trying to kind of keep this track in balance, so the bad people want to ruin the track, but not too obviously because there's a mechanic where you can like kill them or isolate them or something, I can't remember. And the good people are just trying to like score points, and actually everyone's trying to kind of score points, but the bad people can score points by also ruining this track silently, sneakily. So there's kind of an element of like oh i played this card because i didn't have a right card cuz you ruined the track by not being able to follow the suit like in the trick taking game uh everything sounded actually really cool like on paper just like really really cool and when we played the game i was like I'm not sure if this game works at all. (laughs) Like I'm not sure if if this game can work, like the the mechanics of what happens in the game and just kind of what is supposed to happen and like the balancing of the game. It's hard to explain, but I'm not sure if like the scoring works. it felt kind of really random relative to what i was expecting and really swingy like ridiculously swingy, ridiculously random almost kind of broken as far as incentives go like what should you do as a bad player versus good player and how can you find out if someone is bad and so forth so i really wanted this game to work better but it didn't but i i would like to play more but i'm not sure if anyone else will tolerate more plays of this game sadly so so that's shamans uh the other game uh, which wasn't a huge disappointment but i was just like wow this game could have been again better and maybe i was expecting a more involved game as genotype uh a medallion genetics game it looked like Kind of a heavier game than what it is and unfortunately a little bit too random for my taste with rolling dice but it's a game where but what
0: about I'm- father Trollio? Trollario. Yes. Uh,
1: <laughs> I can't even remember what Father Trollario work uh, does, like roll a die and something. Anyway, there's an overpowered card, I think, in the game. We only played it a couple of times, so or I played it a couple of times, so I don't know if like it's super confirmed. But just in general, like much more random than it needed to be, and the mechanics sounded really promising, but when I started playing playing the game, I was just Kind of blown away by the randomness and how things could have been better <laughs> in general with the mechanics in the game in general yeah but uh really cute theme really cool production actually i really like the production i was just really hoping that the game was better but it's not that good so kind of a disappointment but i would say actually that's like the least disappointing maybe game on my list i think it could be good with like uh, again like kind of a family-ish game but it's awkward because it looks like a a euro type heavier euro that it isn't so it 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 is more like a a family game i think
0: yeah um i don't have any honorable mentions because just because the games that I didn't enjoy from 2021 that aren't already on my list, uh, I didn't have any expectations <laughs> for them. So, like, I, I also didn't like Shamans, but I also had, like, zero expectations <laughs> for it. Yeah. Um, I had zero expectations for Genotype because I didn't know what it was before the day we played it. And I enjoyed playing it, but, you know, we, uh, we've talked about some issues that it has that... I, I don't hate the game. I'd play it again, but it's just, like like you said it just it it doesn't you know rise to the the same level as
1: as other euro games that we like more what I was gonna talk about is like, not so much expectations is like, what the rules sound like to me, actually. A lot of the times when I read the rules, I kind of uh, have build up some expectations of what I expect the game to play like. And with these two, it was just surprising. Like when I heard the rules for genotype, I was like, wow, this sounds really cool. And then kind of random. And then when I heard the rules of shamans, I was like, wow, this sounds really cool. And then it was like really broken. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, yeah. yep.
0: Yeah, if, but, if yeah. I had expectations for coca it would have made the list as is yeah. not as it probably would have made my top five, but I also had no expectations for it,
1: so I entertained the thoughts of putting that game on here, but it wasn't as bad as I thought or anything. It was just kind of a card game, and that's fine. There were a lot of games like that actually that I didn't particularly enjoy or like were, weren't amazing, but I also didn't expect them to be uh, to be amazing, so it's right. fine.
0: Right? Yeah. Anyway,
1: Oop. yep, that's it. Kind of Oop. a low note with our dark and <laughs> horrible experiences of yeah, 2021. But, uh, but
0: everybody, go check out our our top games because those are a lot of those are good and a lot of fun. And yeah, come play least. Oath
1: with me, so we can play it. <laughs> at least we started on a good note. Uh yeah, yeah. I don't know, Oath. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, this is an endorsement and uh and a uh, calling for anybody to come play Oath with us. Huh. <laughs> All right, well, I think that'll be an episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Carnes and Cubes has been a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, Rabble, 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 a comedic look at current events, and Steady Diet of Music, a bi weekly fix of opinions by musicians. You can get a hold of Cards and Cubes via email podcast at gmail.com or visit our website www.cardsandcubes.com We'd like to thank Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. Find more of Kirsten's art on Instagram at catcoffee. that's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E We'd also like to thank Lindsey Hobbs for composing the theme and thank all of you for listening and we will return in a couple of weeks.